Wow, some really good questions this week on Ask. Make sure you stay tuned. Let's get going. Welcome back. We're at Cornerstone Church. I'm Pastor Jamie, and we are answering your questions. Uh, most likely you, uh, and if not, we'd love to hear from you, right? So you go to cornerstonebv.org, you go to the uh, media page, drop down, hit ask, go in. It's very, very simple. Take you a minute, you just type out your question, you submit it. Um, if you have questions, other people do too, right? So uh, please give them to us. If it takes a few weeks to answer them, we have not forgotten about you, okay? Now, this one says, thank you for answering my questions. I appreciate your kindness and thankfulness, right? We love answering your questions. Um, it says, when I drive by a cross on the highway, we've all seen those, I say, rest in peace. Is this appropriate to say? Okay, I, I think there's more to this question, and so that's why I really like it. Uh, uh, we've all seen those um, crosses, usually obviously represents, uh, if you didn't know, it, it represents typically a car accident that happened in there where somebody died. And um, so, yeah, it's, it represents a really sad tragedy, right? And uh, we all think if that was us or someone we know or what if what, that was our kid or parents or whatever. And, um, and so it's very, it can be very sobering to see that. That's why it's there. It's a reminder, right, that life is precious. Um, and so I think it's good to have that reminder. And, and I think it's really, really good that you, whoever answers, asks this question, feel great empathy for that situation, right? But um, rest in peace in general is sort of a, a weird phrase. It's not necessarily wrong or sinful or anything. It's just kind of a weird phrase because what we know as Christians, right, is that when you trust in Christ, you, you, you live in paradise, right? So that is sometimes called in the Bible rest, okay? So, and it certainly is the peace, peace with God. So re we are resting in peace, but I think sometimes we think of it as like, oh, finally I can rest, like I'm sleeping. I'm not sleeping, right? If I'm a Christian, I go right into the presence of God, right? Eventually I'll get my new body. You know, that's a whole other question, a whole other episode, right? But I, I'm, I'm with God. And, and so, um, in a sense, I'm resting in peace, but not in the way sometimes people use it. Like, oh, you were so suffering, now you can rest. Well, yeah, I can rest in the presence of God, absolutely, right? If I'm not a Christian, I am absolutely not at rest and not at peace. I am it's completely 100% separated for God, from God from all, for all of eternity, right? To, so to say, as Christians, rest in peace is really based on whether or not they knew Christ. And we don't always know that, right? And certainly when we're driving in the highway, we have no idea. Now, the cross is there. You know, that might represent that they were Christians, but obviously that's become kind of just a symbol of burial in of itself, right? Um, so it doesn't tell us a whole lot. So we don't know. Even if we did or we didn't know um, what that situation with that person who died in that accident, they, um, praying for them in a way, resting in peace is sort of a prayer, um, is completely um, meaningless and a waste of time. You can't pray for those who have died. Uh, they, what they did in their life, trusting in Christ or not, has already happened, right? And so saying rest in peace, I'm not saying it wrong, but it's really not doing a whole lot, right? But here's the thing. You feel great empathy for the situation, right? So what should you do? When I, what do I think you should do? First of all, it should give you great empathy for situations like that and great empathy for life and great empathy for those who don't know Christ. Because whether they're 19 or 99, today could be the day where this is the end of their life. And if they don't know Christ, how tragic. So we should do everything we can to share the gospel, to be a part of sharing the gospel. That's why we do that, because we want people to rest in peace, right? And, and the time to worry about that is before they die, not after. So, you have great empathy, and what can you pray for? 
right? You can pray for that person's family. You can pray for whether it's their parents or their spouse or their kids or whoever is still probably grieving because of that accident, that tragedy. And you can pray for God's comfort and blessing and for him to draw them to himself. That's what I would suggest that you do. Great question again. Um, uh, another question, uh, this one about baptism. Love this. It says, I was baptized a few years ago, but I was not totally immersed in water. Does my baptism count? I feel like this, I don't know who asked this, but it feels like a guy, because guys want things to count, right? But you might not be, and that's fine. If I need to be baptized again, can it be done in private? Have a blessed day. Thank you, you too. So, um, okay, this is a little tough, because baptism, as a Baptist church, we believe biblically, and feel like we have really good grounding for this. We differ in other denominations, um, that they'll sprinkle and pour, and they'll also do children. There's a lot of different kind of, uh, sort of takes on what baptism should be. We believe, going back conservatively to what is the scriptures, what is baptism in the scriptures? And remember, um, baptism comes from a Greek word, baptizo, uh, and I don't need, need to nerd you out on Greek or anything like that, but it's important because that word always means to fully immerse. It's shipwrecks, baptizo, uh, women uh, dunk dye uh, or like clothing into, or material into a dye to make some color clothing. It was baptizo. In, in secular literature, it was always fully immerse, okay? And so it, it, sprinkling and pouring came about once they started baptizoing children, and they didn't want to fully immerse them. But it was always immersed. And you look at Jesus, he, immer he was fully immersed. It just is. There's a very important reason why. It is not salvific. And here's what I mean by this. You not getting fully immersed does not mean you're not a Christian. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you, and you are to die today, you are a Christian. You will be saved, all right? So please don't hear me say the method of baptism and when and how. It is not a salvific issue or an issue that, that can kind of make or break our salvation. But here's why full immersion, we believe, is very important, which we call believer's baptism. It should happen not as a child. It should happen to you after you have trusted in Jesus Christ. Well, here's why. In, in, in Scripture, baptizo or baptism is always um, associated like a picture of your salvation. And I've, I've explained it this way. If I showed you a picture of my kids and said, hey, this is my kids, Nathan and Grace, you would not be uh, annoying and say, I hope, and say, that's not a picture, or that's not your kids, that's a picture, right? You wouldn't say that, even though you'd be right. Because we just, in our vernacular, in our language, we say things like that, hey, here's my house. Well, it's a picture of my house, right? So the language in the Bible about baptism sometimes sounds like you need to be baptized to be saved. It was just a picture. So sometimes it sounds that way because they are using it interchangeably with the expectation that you are saved. And baptism shows that publicly. Here's how it does. When you come up to the water, right, you are dry, representing your old life of sin. When you go under the water, you are representing your faith in the death and burial of Jesus Christ for your sin. You identify with that, so therefore, because of Jesus, you are dead to your sin. You come up out of the water, not too many seconds later, I promise, um, and that represents your identification with the resurrection of Jesus, and you have new life because he died and rose in victory over your sin. And so it's a beautiful picture that sprinkling and pouring just cannot do. 
Uh, they usually say it's a wa washing away of your sin. Jesus bled and died for your sin. That washed it away. The water can represent that, sure, but it's more of a picture of your identification with Christ. So, to get back to your question, it's again, if you decide not to do this, if you're truly a Christian, you're a Christian, okay? I'm not, I'm not um, bad-mouthing denominations that do it differently, right? Faith in Christ, that's how you're saved. Um, but should, do I think you should do it again? Yes, I do. I think you should picture it. Should you do it privately? No. Does that mean you can't do something privately? Sure. I mean, you see the Ethiopian and the eunuch, that was in, in, in Acts, that was in private. So it's not like that can't or it's a sin or something to do it privately. It's meant to be public, always has. Why? Because it edifies or encourages the body of Christ as they see a baptism, they are reminded of their own, and it also evangelizes. So those who are there witnessing your baptism they see in a profound way the picture of Jesus Christ, him dying, was buried, and, and rose. And so you not only encourage, but you also share the gospel through your life in your, in your baptism. And I'm pointing there because that's where our baptismal is, so as we're filming this. Um, so again, I'm not hammering what you did before. I'm not saying, oh my gosh, you were wrong. I'm just saying, I think it'd be a really good idea to get baptized fully immersed in front of the church. As scary as that is, it's a beautiful moment, and we would love to share that with you if you're around here, okay? All right. One last question and then we're done. Ready? Stay with us. Try not to laugh, okay? <laughs> I'll try. I think this is another aerial question, hopefully. Uh, anyway, uh, try not to laugh. We humans put a label on everything. For example, we named a fruit watermelon, right? Does, does did God give his own name for everything he created? Is it different from our names? Um, real quick answer, uh, we don't know. Uh, if he did, he hasn't shared that with us. In fact, what you really, the only thing really about names, names are important, and, and he's given names, right? Like we're told um, to name his son Jesus, which means the Lord saves. Uh, so yeah, and there was other, other um, examples of that as well. He renamed uh, Peter, Jesus did. He renamed Abraham from Abram to Abraham and his wife to Sarah. You know, so there's a lot of those examples. But if you look at what he said to Adam, he told him to name all the animals, right? So he gave that job to Adam. I don't know if he did the fruit, where all that came from. And of course, there's different languages and, and translations and all of that. So is it, does God have a name for stuff that isn't what we named it? He might, and, and we, we'll find out someday, but we don't know. Um, and so you're perfectly fine continuing calling it a watermelon. In fact, I used to have a cat named Watermelon when I was a kid. Love watermelon. All right, that's it on Ask. Make sure you submit your questions. Sign up for church service this uh, upcoming weekend. It's our first week in Lamentations. You don't want to miss it. So Saturday at 5, Sunday at 9 or 11, or our live stream, uh, cornerstonebv.org. You can see that at 11 a.m. on Sunday. Join us. We love you. Talk next week.